Hello and welcome into the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb, and as always, I am joined by Dustin Ragusa, and we're back for another episode. Dustin, good to talk to you again this week, sir. What's going on? We are back. We're giving you another two-episode week, but please do not get used yeah. to it. <laughs> I, I love you throwing the disclaimer out there because I was thinking the exact same thing. We're really setting a tough precedent right before football. Well, the thing is, if you want us twice in a week, you're a psycho person, first off. For sure. And if you really do like it that much, we don't because we have to do more, more work. Yeah, it's a lot, guys, on our end. Every week. No, I'm just kidding. We we do love it, but it is it is tough sometimes to fit it in. But when we can do it, we love we love getting two episodes in. So we've got two this week for you again. Yeah. Moral of the story is we're back. Second moral of the story is don't get used to it for another bonus episode <laughs> every week. It is good to be back with you, Dustin. Uh, excited to get into this. We have a lot to jump into. You were on vacation last week, so my brother and I broke down Kansas State. Hopefully you got a chance to listen to it. He gave a really interesting perspective from a like casual Kansas State perspective, but he uh, he did a really good job, and, and hopefully you got the chance to listen to it, and our listeners enjoyed it. Cameron's a, uh, obviously a fantastic at this and has done it all of twice, so uh, loved having him on. I, I did listen. I listened on the plane ride home. I enjoyed it. Cameron did a great job. You guys have great chemistry together, so it's, it's good to listen to it. And I liked the Kansas State breakdown. I thought you guys, like you said, gave an interesting perspective on it. And I got the information I needed. Yeah, interesting in that we we tried our best, right? <laughs> I thought it was good. It was no, more than I knew. You're 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 gracious, uh, Dustin, but I appreciate it. And we have a ton to get to on the Oklahoma State side, namely fall camp starts this week. And so the kind of storyline to me, rumor is seniors showed up early. Shows a lot about that group, maybe what they came back to do this season. Senior showed up like last week to run through some uh, some logistics, some team-led stuff. stuff. Um, But I mean, kicking off, fall camp is right around the corner and we're like here. We're here. Football's here. Yeah, so the kind of the way, and Kate, thanks for laying that out, kind of the way it shakes out. So they, they reported on Monday. We're recording this on Tuesday, August 2nd. So they reported yesterday. No practice, just meetings on Tuesday. Then the first day of camp is Wednesday. First day in full pads will be next Tuesday, the 9th. Uh, also, they have the extreme camp this weekend coming up for fans involved. Uh, Cade and I have a friend of the pod there. My buddy Robert will be there. So he should be able to give us some good nuggets from that. And um, then kind of go into the final practice of fall camp on August 20th. And classes begin on August 22nd for Oklahoma state. So we, like you said, we are right there. There'll be a, there'll be a media kind of, I know Gundy will do like his kickoff tomorrow, I believe with the media. And then I think there's a media day uh, coming up this Saturday where they'll do some stuff with the players. So there'll be a lot of good content coming out on all of the main Oklahoma state media sources. And then we will obviously be breaking it down here. 
Yeah, I mean, no doubt about it. I mean, what are you most excited about for fall camp? What do you look forward to most? Uh, and so that's my first question. Second question is, what are you waiting to find out in this fall camp? Cade, would it surprise you if I said the offensive line? No, it wouldn't at all. I know you pretty well. So he, here's the thing, and I want to ask you that same question, Cade, but with the offensive line, you and I, we're kind of, you know, we're talking to the same people. We're reading the same articles. We are getting different depth chart breakdowns, including our own, is different than people we talk to from everybody. I, I, I think it's just because people, all they've seen, you know, they had the metabolic workouts, they had spring practice, but not everybody was there. People were hurt. And I think it's just kind of all over the map. You know, we've heard Caleb Etienne left tackle, Tyrone Weber left guard. Preston Wilson center, Hunter Woodard, right guard, right tackle, Jake Springfield. Woodard and Wilson, I think, are the only for sures on that line. You and I think Caleb Etienne's definitely going to start at left tackle from everything we've heard. Yeah. But other than that, you know, Taylor Matirko could play left guard. Jason Brooks could play left guard. Jason Brooks could play right tackle. Casey Collier could play right tackle. We don't really know what's going on there. And it's just extremely intriguing I, they might not even figure it out until Big 12 conference play, which I would hate, but that may be the reality. It, it's just so intriguing for the unit that's probably the least fun for most fans to watch on the field. They're the biggest storyline time and time again for Oklahoma State. Well, it's that's my answer too. If nothing, if for nothing else other than it's the unit we know the least about going into this season and you know we we know what most of these guys are capable of but there are impact guys and you just named four of them that we don't know much about we know Caleb Etienne will probably be left tackle we also know that Tyrone Weber apparently has put on a lot of weight so from what we knew about him two weeks ago to what we know about him now is completely different and so I am excited to to start hearing what comes out of fall camp about the offensive line and who separates themselves over the next two to three weeks, because it already seems like before fall camp has even started that things have shifted around a little bit on that offensive line. So for me, it's an easy answer. It's the most intriguing part of this team at this point today. No doubt about it. hundred percent. And you made a great point about Tyrone Weber. Apparently the uh, New Mexico military Institute, they were working him too hard. They got him too skinny, but the thing is, Cade, Charlie Dickey, he's not giving us any hints either. I saw a Pokes Report article. He says we have great leadership. He mentioned Preston Wilson and Hunter Woodard, guys we know are shoe-ins to start. Then he talks about Jake Springfield and Joe Maholski. Right. And he asked about Tyrone Weber. He's talking about how he's worked really hard. He's committed himself to getting bigger and stronger. Says he's six three and a half and 300 pounds. You know, and then when asked about Brooks and Collier, he said these guys come in and have shown him more than – what he thought they were going to be able to show looking good as well there. So I, I'm hearing there may be some technical things that Casey Collier still needs to work on. You know, he's still a younger guy. He hasn't played. He didn't really play at USC. So I, I don't know if he'll be a starter, but it sounds like he is one of the more talented guys in that locker room right now. But, you know, you've got to be technically sound, especially with a coach like Charlie Dickey, who that's what he preaches. So we'll see. But I, I mean, Kate, I, we could go on for hours, but it just seems like that is 
where my attention, you know, when I talked about our buddy, Robert, that's going to be at extreme camp. That was the first thing I asked him to keep an eye on for me was the offensive line. So, well, I mean, again, it's because we know the least about how it's going to look five weeks from now. Right. I mean, I, I think that the tackles feel good, but that right tackle spot have no clue about, especially if Casey Collier can learn quickly like what we're hear about, hearing about him physically is that he's there or pretty close. Technically, maybe not. So I said a couple podcasts ago, if you remember this, that if Casey Collier is good enough to play, this offensive line is going to surprise some people um, because that means good things elsewhere. So hands down, the thing I'm most excited for going into fall camp. Um, anything else you're you're looking at as an as a answer you got to have here pretty soon? Well, I think, Cade, the only, the only other thing I was a little worried about was the field and the practice facility being finished. And it sounds like everything's done. You got to have that. They're cleaning up everything. The only thing that is not finished yet is the locker room, but they have – the players have moved in. They've put out some pictures. You can kind of tell there's just some unfinished stuff. I think there's been some delays in the supplies, you know, supply chain issues right now and everything – um, we could, you know, we could segue right now and just talk a little supply chain if you want. But I was just gonna say that's my my spinoff pitch to you is is actually a, a feels like some supply chain pinching. But yeah, so everything's good to go there. I I think kid players wise though, I'm gonna be really interested just to see, and it's not really so much of a fall camp thing, but just to see linebacker the depth there, cornerback the depth there, safety who's rotating, who's getting the most snaps there, just pretty much the whole back end of the defense. I, I think that's probably the next most intriguing part. We kind of know a lot of the guys on offense already, right? Besides the offensive I, line. I, I think so. I, I think it has to be that. Um, mainly because wide receiver feels set. I mean, is Talon Shetron ready to go? We'll see that here in fall camp. Ollie Gordon, really, it's the guys we've talked about all off season that are the ones that I'm waiting to see what, what comes out, but it's, it's a secondary for me too. Um, offensive line and secondary, what those young guys can do. Kendall Daniels, of course, being one of them. Um, yeah. That's, that's easily it for me as well. Yeah. And like at that linebacker spot, I, I know we've heard Xavier Benson. I know we've heard about Mason Cobb, two guys that I think are going to be really, really solid. Don't sleep on Lamont Bishop. Of, I, that's it's literally what I was going to say. I think we're going to see a lot of Lamont Bishop. I do too. A lot. I do too. I went back and watched some, uh, some film of games that I had kind of forgotten about. And the Boise state one is one Lamont Bishop played a really, really good second half in that game had a sack actually uh, putting Boise state way back on their own uh, in their own territory. And so I think he's shown flashes. He had a great game against tech as well. So um, I think you'll see a lot of him as well in that rotation. I would almost put him at that uh that three a three b level so we'll see we'll see but i feel pretty good about that and obviously just just looking at kendall daniels i'm excited to just you know look just at see him. him just look at yeah. him <laughs> you can catch Dude, dustin on the front row on uh september 3rd i believe is the opening day this week <laughs> 90 minutes before kickoff just with his hand on his chin where's kendall <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it sounds creepy, but that's probably what I'm going to be doing. Yeah. The Kate, I, I don't really have anything else because I know next week we're not going to have a Big 12 guest. We're going to take a week off before we do OU, and we're going to recap kind of the first week of spring practice. They'll have had their first practice with pads by that time. 
and we'll have some notes back from extreme camp. So we'll hit it hard next week. Just kind of wanted to hit some of those 100%. highlights before we head into it. We should, unless some big news breaks too, if Katie and I have time, we'll do another one of our big depth chart breakdowns as well. Yep. Yep. And uh, you can get that on the one episode releasing next week. Dustin, before we move on, I know we got a couple of quick football things to hit. I do want to say a quick thank you to sponsor the Feels Like 45 podcast, Price Buckley with Edward Jones. Price is the fourth generation in his family to graduate from Oklahoma State University, and he loves working with fellow alumni. Price uses a personalized approach to build a custom investment strategy tailored to your unique goals and circumstances so that you can turn your ideal future into a reality. You can reach Price at 469-757-0290 or on his website at edwardjones.com forward slash price hyphen Buckley. That's spelled B-U-C-K-L-E-Y. Price, thank you for your support of the Feels Like 45 podcast. We'll see you soon in Stillwater too, my friend. Um, Dustin, a couple of you know disappointing things. Cameron and I talked about Chris Carson last week, but you and I haven't had a chance to discuss his retirement from football. Just your, your, your reaction to that alone. Yeah, it's tough. Whenever you see a guy that was still producing at a high level, especially I mean, anybody, but especially an Oklahoma State guy, have to go out like that. It's tough. Um, you know, the Seahawks did him right the way he's able to go out with the like failed physical and the failed physical designation. He still gets some compensation from that. So, you know, they they sent him out nice little tribute on Twitter. I'm sure they'll do something during the season, but this is a guy that rushed for 3,500 yards, 24 touchdowns in uh, five seasons with the Seahawks. And one of my favorite players to watch in the NFL, not even just because he's an Oklahoma State guy, he's a you know a big-time piece on everyone's fantasy football team for the past several 100%. seasons. And it's just it's tough to, to see him go. I, I knew you and Cameron hit on it, but I just I wanted to kind of talk about it with you for just a second yeah, just because that's such a big, a big blow to the Oklahoma state alumni in the NFL and just NFL football in general. Well, a hundred percent. And you know, some of the stuff that came out about Chris Carson, Robert Allen said something on Twitter about just his change of heart from, you know, some, at some point in his senior year, the light turned on for him, which is interesting because that's about when Chris Carson started running dudes over in college football. And it was like, Oh my gosh, where has this guy been? Um, you know, it sounds like by all accounts, he, he figured it out. Um, and it's just a shame that his, his body is what ended up failing him. It wasn't his work ethic. It wasn't anything else. Um, it was, it's just the toll that being an NFL running back takes on your body. And it's something that I can understand very little about, but I can only imagine, uh, what that must be like. So, um, yeah, it's, it's gut-wrenching. You, you, you had a guy in, in Chris Carson, it's almost like, you know, Des Bryant on a little bit smaller scale, uh, but Des Bryant didn't retire to the injury. Chris Carson uh, kind of had the game pulled from him. So it's just, mm. it's just really, really sad. And just to keep it sad, yeah, let's uh, do that. Your boy. And yeah, they, I mean, my boy, but definitely your boy on the Cowboys. Now James Washington injured himself at practice. There's actually video of the play yeah. on Twitter. Looks like he's going to have to have surgery and be out six to 10 weeks big blow for a guy that was coming from Pittsburgh where we knew his feelings about being underutilized there. He thought he had more to prove. Seemed like he was going to be a key piece. I mean, you talked about on this podcast in the Dallas Cowboy offense with some of the guys they lost at the wide receiver position. And now that's taken away from him due to injury kind of. 
we talked about with Chris Carson. 100%. He, w- he was going to be, in my opinion, wide receiver two or three in this offense. Um, I mean, especially considering the fact that Michael Gallup is is recovering from a torn ACL. The Cowboys were already thin at wide receiver. And so, you know, not to talk about the Cowboys too much, but they're they're really in a tough spot. But what's what's unfortunate here is that James Washington's injury is not a great one uh, to have. If you're going to have one, if you're going to fracture a bone in your foot, this Jones fracture, it's that fracture to the outside of your pinky toe on your foot, um, it has hampered return time for guys like Julio Jones in the past, uh, guys that have come back and were really never the same. You hope that is not the case for James Washington. He was able to get off the field um, yesterday. He was not putting much weight on it at all, but um, you know, hope he has a speedy recovery and that it's a full recovery. I think the Cowboys at this point, you know, the worst thing they can do is rush him back. That, that's really what they can't do. And unfortunately, it might be what they do because they, they're just so thin at wide receiver. So you really hope that's not the case. Yeah, hopefully he recovers and is able to still have some production this season. Um, and then Vincent Taylor as well, who's now with the Falcons. He goes down with injury. Oklahoma State guys are just uh, dropping like flies. But if we want to if we want to go positive before we get off the NFL, Malcolm Rodriguez – is continuing to turn heads in Detroit. And apparently Jalen Warren is doing pretty well with the Steelers. Oh, how about that? Well, great news. And just double checking, you're healthy. Everything's good with you. Considering every Oklahoma State, you know, person in my life is is getting injured. So just wanted to check real quick. I'm good. I'm healthy coming off a week vacation. I'm fully rested. Okay, good deal. Uh, Good deal. Offseason, treat us nicely. But Rodriguez Warren, not surprising, especially about Rodriguez. But I mean, Jalen Warren, not all that surprising either that he's turning some heads in in training camp. So, uh, will be something to keep an eye on as we move on into the offseason. Dustin, anything else? I do want to flip it over to you for some recruiting news as well. Um, anything else on on Cowboys in the NFL before we move to that? I think we're good. We'll we'll continue to kind of keep an eye on that as teams are, you know, working through camps and everything. Um, because Cade and I obviously with Cade being a Cowboys fan and me a Saints fan, we keep we keep our eye on the NFL. So we'll continue to update anything Oklahoma State related there. Yeah, recruiting wise, just a just a few quick notes. We're not we're not gonna cover everything that we have skipped the past couple of weeks due to some time constraints, but Oklahoma State offered two 2025 quarterbacks, Emil Picarella from Madison St. Joseph Catholic. And Keldon Ryan from Keller Central. Uh, both these guys look to be really solid prospects. Picarella, six foot two, 195 pounder, with offers from Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Oregon, Pittsburgh. Teams apparently Florida State, LSU, Miami, Penn State, or some other teams that are interested. Watched a little bit on him. He's got a strong arm. Moves around pretty well in the pocket. Doesn't seem to be a super mobile guy, but in the even in just his huddle tape, there's some videos of him kind of looking off the safety, making a throw to the other side of the field, going through his progressions. He looks like he understands the game of football. And then with Keldon Ryan, he's a little bit more of a dynamic guy, six foot one, also 195 pounds. He's got offers from Arkansas, Baylor, Cal, Texas Tech, Washington State. Both these guys are just coming off their freshman season. I think both would be solid pickups. I'm glad Oklahoma State's getting in on them fairly early because quarterback, as you know, a very important position. But 
I like both of these guys. They're, they seem to be pretty different, which I think I kind of like that Oklahoma State's offering two kind of different guys there instead of the exactly same, exactly the same. Both of them are can move around. We know Oklahoma State's not going to go with just kind of a standstill stick in the mud quarterback back there. But um, yeah, they're both interesting prospects. No doubt about it. You love the quarterback offers for sure. Um, after Spencer Sanders, and you know, you just have Gunnar Gundy and and Garrett Rangel, but you got to have depth right? And depth is still a concern for quarterbacks. So um, Zane Flores coming in as well. Um, I love that they're getting into this 2025 class so early. Um, the offer list for some of those guys, Emil Piccarella and Keldon Ryan, pretty stacked, especially early on. So I'm curious to see what their recruiting profile does, uh, because I would expect both of them just with those offer lists alone, you're probably looking at four-star prospects, at least off the bat. Yeah. And to go along with those, just a, two quick recruiting notes before we wrap up. Jordan Sanford, you guys have heard us talk about him on this podcast. Uh, Four-star safety in the 2023 class from Arlington, Mansfield, Timberview. He is committing on Thursday, so shortly after this podcast comes out. It sounds like Washington may be the front runner there. I know, I know Oklahoma State was in the mix, but I'm not certain. I, I don't know, Kate, if you have a feel on him. I'm kind of leaning towards Washington for him, but if he picked Oklahoma State, I wouldn't be surprised. I know he really liked it. Uh, 5'11", 185-pound guy, the number 22 safety, number 48 overall recruit, regardless of position in Texas. So really talented guy. It would be a big get for Oklahoma State, but I think he might be leaning Washington. Yeah, that's that's what it's saying. I mean, maybe a future Big 12 foe right here uh, with with potentially going to Washington. So, yeah, that's what it's looking like. And then lastly, Parker Jenkins. I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic about him. He's from Houston, Klein Forest, four-star running back. Oklahoma State was in his final six, along with Boston College, Houston, LSU, Northwestern, and SMU. It sounds like he was leaning Oklahoma State, and Houston's kind of making a late push. I don't know if there's some NIL, NIL oh. involved in there or what, but it sounds like it's going to come down to Oklahoma State or Houston I think he's making his commitment this Saturday. I'm going to lean Oklahoma State on this one. Well, it's all over the place with him. You go to Rivals, it's Northwestern. You go to uh, you go to 24-7, it's LSU. You go to on mm -hmm. three, it's it's somebody else. I mean, you're really not sure. I will go with you, though. I, I love your optimism, and uh, I'll take that. I like Oklahoma State. So I'll pro so what I'm saying is Sanford will probably go Oklahoma state and Jenkins will yeah. probably go Houston since yeah. I said the other. So. Yeah. hundred percent. Or Jenkins goes to Washington. He, he pulls a, <laughs> pulls a total Yui and goes to Washington uh, to make us look stupid. I love it. Okay. That's all I got. There's been some other offers coming out, but I, I think we can hit that stuff when we have uh when we have a little bit more time. Yeah. Well, um, well, let's keep the recruiting train going. I mean, let's just switch sports. I mean, we, we can talk Uganda Kingsley real quick. Um, we were, I think everybody was kind of all over this once he reclassified. Obviously, we're talking five-star center um, who recently reclassified into this year's class. Kentucky was rumored to be involved, and then when he reclassified, it really looked like things were turning towards the Wildcats, and it did. Uganda Kingsley just committed to Kentucky today or yesterday, I believe. Any surprise there for you, Dustin? I mean, I, I felt like that was – writing on the wall type of scenario. Yeah, I think we talked about it on here after he reclassified. I think we both said we felt like it was probably going to be Kentucky. 
I, just with everything you were hearing after he did that, I was I was going to be pretty shocked if it ended up Oklahoma State. It sounded like everybody thought it was Kentucky. There, were, I think even people kind of close to him. I know his uncle is like really involved in his recruiting. I think there was some rumors coming out that pretty much everybody knew it was going to be Kentucky. So it wasn't a huge shock. I, I don't think it's a huge loss. He would have been a good player to get, but we talked about it. He's a project guy, like a guy yeah. with no real offensive game, really high ceiling, but I, I don't think it's a huge loss. I, I mean, I'm probably just saying that also because Oklahoma State didn't get him, but um, I think I think Mike Boynton's still in a good spot. I, I know he still wants to land somebody else in the 2023 class to go along with Garrison, so we'll see how that kind of wraps up. Yeah, no doubt. It, uh, it's not a crushing loss at all. Oklahoma State really kind of made a late charge here. I mean, I think they were in on him at the right time. But when you say late, I mean, he reclassified pretty soon thereafter. Um, and Oklahoma State got in the picture. But it, I I really think it was too little too late once Kentucky and and, and Kingsley got serious. I um, mean, he even came out and kind of said it that his uncle was the one handling the conversation. So at that point, he's like, okay, well, fantastic. The world of college basketball recruiting and college football recruiting is one that – I, I don't want to know too much about. I don't want to see how the sausage is made. Agreed. Agreed on that front. <laughs> well, Dustin, I mean, let's flip it to a couple of other things. We've got a little bit of time. I want to know what your thoughts are on this. Nolan McLean announcing he's returning to Oklahoma State. This is, this is big news for Oklahoma State baseball. And I know it, this is your boy. Yeah, I, I was very excited about this. I know I've seen a lot of people bring up the fact that he broke the record for strikeouts last season. <laughs> he also led the team in home runs. He also touches 99 with his fastball. Yeah, so, and he's an incredible third baseman who can play anywhere in the field. He can play first. We've seen him in the outfield. He's very, very dynamic. I'm going to be interested, Cade, to see because the Orioles drafted him as a pitcher. He was the highest unsigned draft pick. He was 81st overall, so that was a, about 800,000 slot. It sounds like there was some, not weird stuff going on, but there was some disagreement after his physical on kind of getting that money in a good spot, so he decided to come back. And I'm going to be interested to see if he's going to pitch more than play in the field. I know you don't really want to take his bat out of the lineup, but they've got some guys coming in that can play in the field. You know, they've got guys like Carson Binge, Aiden Miola on the team still. Obviously, Marcus Brown's there, Rock Riggio. I, I know I said he could play first base. You know, they're looking for a center fielder with Caden Trinkle signing his deal. But do you could you see him kind of converting to solely a pitcher? I know it's a little bit different situation, but Justin Campbell earlier in his career was hitting, and then he completely went away from it, which I believe was his choice last season. Do you think do you think Oklahoma State would kind of or do you think McLean would want to just kind of be a pitcher since that's what MLB teams seem to be looking at him as? Well, I think Oklahoma State might need the arms too. So I think your theory might have some legs or or arms. Um but <laughs> I his bat is so good that I don't know what the trade-off is worth to Oklahoma State there. Is it worth bringing him back as a pitcher knowing he can touch 99? Uh, but you lose his bat. I mean, he showed some con command issues at times last season. Uh, he also showed some strikeout issues. So he's got he's got some issues that he's got to get ironed out. But I I could totally see it. And the Justin Campbell comparison is 
phenomenal. It's exactly the same thing. Um, it's where I would think he might be more inclined to go uh, if if it was him, knowing that he was drafted in that way. McLean's a little bit different personality than I think Campbell too. Anytime you hear him in an interview, he's a guy that literally, and he's not lying. He will do anything to help the team win. We've seen him play all over the field, pitch in crazy situations, hit home runs at key moments. Like you said, strike out at key moments, but he's, he is a do anything type of guy. So maybe, maybe he still does play in the field. So we'll see. It'll be interesting to watch, but some good news, you know, they they recently lost uh, the Cal Baptist transfer, Chad Castillo. He was a big-time hitter that was coming in. He signed uh, after he got drafted. He signed with his major league team. I talked about Trinkle. Obviously, Campbell signed. So they were losing some guys. So to have McLean come back along with – they've got the pitcher from St. John's coming in, Long Beach State. 100%. The guys we mentioned, we got a question recently where I kind of ran through the transfers in and out. But since we've talked about that, they've gotten those pitchers to come in. So I think – I think this team is going to be really, really good again next season. 100%. You mentioned the the pitcher from Long Beach State. I think it's Warren Watts-Brown. I, I think that's how mm-hmm. it's pronounced. Um, he's He might be the best arm on the roster next year. I, I think he could vie for that. Um, I, I really like his stuff and excited that they were able to land him. Threw a no-hitter last season. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think they love what they have there. Jansen Kiesel from BYU as well, a guy who – yeah, pitched five innings against Oklahoma State last year, so uh, it'll be interesting. Looking good but I, there, looking better. I'm very, I'm very excited to get into baseball. I mean, obviously, football. I want it to last as long as possible, but I'm excited for uh, for baseball as well. Well, Dustin, if you don't have anything else, you want to go ahead and switch it over to listener questions. Yeah, let's do that. And apologies, I know there was this first one. I'm going to get to our guy, Glory Cowboy. We love. Thank you for always sending questions in. They're always great. The second part of your question, I think, was more geared for Ian Boyd. We went pretty long with Ian. That's what we're doing two episodes. We recorded with him. So I we weren't able to fit this in to that one. So apologies for that. But Cade and I can take a stab at it. So if you're okay with that, Cade. Yeah, no, it's fine. Uh, let's go ahead and hear it. Okay, so Glory Cowboy says, does paying different positions – different money through NIL affect the ego of some players, which I know you guys haven't heard it yet, but Kate actually brought this up in the interview with Ian. He sidestepped it pretty easy. Yes. <laughs> and then, and then we say, do you think Texas has a culture culture issue? If yes, what's Sark doing to remove that? So on that, on that first one, Cade, what, what are your thoughts on that? Cause I know you brought it up to Ian. So I, I know you have oh, some thoughts gosh. on that. That's such a tough question to answer as, as somebody who never was offered $50,000 a season to play offensive line, you know, at, at 18 years old, I have no, I I'm sure it impacts ego on some level, but to say but, yes or no, I don't, I don't know. I mean, do you think, I, I guess kind of two different questions here. Is it boosting the ego? Someone who's going getting that much at that position, they were already probably an extremely high recruit. They already are a really confident player, most likely. How much more can their ego be boosted? One. And right. then on a team like Texas, where you have such a good recruiting class, even if you're making a little bit more NIL money than another position, you are all four and five star guys. So can you really? be that be that much bigger of an ego than one of these i i don't know i i I don't know the answer just two interesting things i thought of when you were when you were talking or i yeah does 
does money cause ego or success? Tune into next week's Feels Like 45 podcast for the answer. <laughs> when we break down the supply chain yes. and the weather's effect on it. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, there were there were two parts there, right? And what is Sark doing to fix it? That's a that's a difficult question. I do think there's a there's a culture issue uh, in Austin. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. But to say what it is, I have no idea. They they have gone so many years with top level talent, like truly top level talent, and have you know several five and seven, six and six, seven and five uh, seasons to show for it. So something's going on there. But what it is, I don't know. Well, and to fix it. He's trying to win football games. Yeah. That's how you fix it. <laughs> he he brought in Gary Patterson to fix it. Uh, that that Ooh. feels like a powder keg to me. But not to talk too much about the interview because I know you guys haven't heard it yet, but I'm very excited to for you guys to hear and feel the change in the interview when we when we started talking Gary Patterson with Ian. It's it was very fun. Yeah, it made me feel better about uh, Oklahoma State's chances against Texas this year because when he was talking offense, I was like, oh, my gosh, are they going to go 12-0? and 0? And then we asked one question about defense, and I was like, oh, this is going to be 6-6 six and six again. So <laughs> I can't wait for you guys to hear it. It's a great interview. And thanks, Corey Cowboy, and apologies again for not getting that in with the end. We were just running too long. Yeah, hey, Dustin, I want to throw one in. We do have a, an audio question as well from oh, Ryan okay. Winkle, a friend of the pod, so I did want to get that thrown in there real quick. Hey, guys, so as college football changes almost daily, uh, I'm looking here in the next three or four years, let's say the rest of the Pac-12 schools kind of filter into one of the other four conferences, and we end up with four kind of super conferences there with Big 12, Big 10, ACC, and SEC. Um, and in this scenario, say that Notre Dame stays independent. Uh, just keep that in your head. And I was curious what you guys think your ideal playoff scenario would be, um, such as four teams, eight teams, 16 teams. And then, um, you know, if you would do just a committee like we have now, or if you think you would rather have something like uh, each conference winner gets a spot, um, and then kind of at large bids from there. Um, just kind of curious what you guys think it may look like here in a few years. Thanks. Gosh, Ryan. Yeah. Your, your guess is as good as mine. I, I really, it is a guess. Um, I would think in a four team or four conference world and we're headed that way. Maybe I would think that the playoff looks like eight or 12 in that in that event, I would lean towards 12, mainly because I think there's a lot of money to be made in 12, and that's the whole thing driving this. Um, but you would have your four automatic qualifiers. You'd have uh, from those power conferences, you could have two uh, group of five or whatever that new group is called. Um, and then, you know, your remaining six would be at large. And then you could factor in your Notre Dames, your conference runner-ups, your Oklahoma States. Um, I, I could see that and frankly would prefer it. And I think that's probably why they didn't go through with the new college football playoff deal so quickly, because we don't really know how the dust is going to settle. But I think there's just the money is going to, to be so overwhelming that, that that's going to take on a new life. That college football playoff is going to look a whole lot different. Yeah, no kid. I think you broke that down perfectly. I, I think it's, if it moves to that direction, which obviously it's going to some, smaller version of major conferences less um 
I, I think eight or 12 and kind of the scenario you laid out. I, if you went to more than that, I, I mean, I personally don't have a huge issue. I would like it to be more than four, but I, I don't have a huge issue with 16. I think eight or 12 is a sweet spot though there. I, I mean, Ryan, I'm sure you're not surprised. I don't have a strong opinion on this one way or the <laughs> other, but I do like how Cade laid it out. Yeah, no, I, Ryan, it's a great question. I, I think Love everybody, everybody's guessing and anybody that tells you they're not is, is not giving you the full story. It's a guess. And Ryan, I think, I think you've got a pretty good streak going on these audio questions and we love it. Definitely so the leader in the clubhouse for sure. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see how long you can go. It's a challenge. I love it. Um, okay. Back to, back to Twitter. We've got Corbett Klein at Corbett Klein. Thanks Corbett for sending these in. Are there any time slots you want to avoid with stadiums teams in the big 12? He says like possibly Lubbock at night or K state at 11 AM. If so, what would they, be, what would they be for the big 12 teams? And then he says for a Texas question, and he put uh, the Kelly gift from the office where she says, I have a lot of questions. First off, how dare you? <laughs> it's a fantastic gif. Um, do does he want us to go through every team or just the ones that no, jump I, out? I was thinking maybe we just look at like Oklahoma State's schedule. Yeah. This year. Is that good with you? That's fine with me. Cause I, I will even throw in like a, a West Virginia at seven uh is a is a game that I don't want to play. Um Lubbock at night is is overrated. We tend to do pretty well in Lubbock at night. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's run through the schedule. So that way I have a frame of reference. For my yeah. So brain. the, the away games are at Baylor. You've got at TCU at K state at Kansas and at OU. I, I the, think, I think none of those environments are um, that scary. Like I, I'll play any of those teams at any time, and it'll be fine. Um, I actually bedlam's bedlam, no matter when you're playing it. Yeah, and I actually like the primetime game. I, I think Oklahoma State gets up really well for those primetime kickoffs, uh, whether it's on the road or at home. Um, quite frankly, I'll take anybody anywhere at any time. I feel like I feel like Kansas State. I maybe wouldn't want that one at like 11 a.m. I know it's not going to be, but that just seems like just going to Manhattan, a, playing them at that time. Like a bee's nest. Everybody's saying they're a dark horse. You and I think they're going to be a good team. I just, I'll, I'd rather that one just be like an afternoon game. <laughs> Everybody can just take a, their time, get the, it up for The classic one o'clock kickoff on ESPN Plus. That's what you're looking at? <laughs> yeah. I want the most neutral, neutral time. Yeah, four thirty. We could debate neutral times of the day. Also, uh, we could always do that. You have to tune into our spinoff podcast for that discussion. I think this year's schedule to answer that question is a little, like you said, you know, there's not really any super scary road games. And it's, but I, I do like what he pointed out with like the Texas Tech and. Um, I, he did say K-State at 11 a.m., so I kind of agree with him there. Yeah, and Oklahoma State has done so well on the road in this conference over the last several years that I'm just like, I don't I don't really care, quite frankly. I don't love playing anybody on the road, but there's nobody that I think Oklahoma State can't beat on the road. So Yeah. Uh, and then we've got we've got 
a second part of a question from Corbett Klein. Sorry, he asked this in a separate tweet. So he says, any truth that the move to the SEC was Texas ducking Kansas in football? And if so, is there a sense of relief in the program that Vandy will luckily be in the SEC East? Well, uh, <laughs> we actually asked Ian that. You'll have to tune into to the interview to hear his answer about it. Though. I feel like he would have thought that question was funny. We should have asked him. He would have. He would have laughed. He would have loved that. But uh, I do like that one, Corbett. Yeah, Thank I you. do. I do too, for sure. Um, and then the last one is from our guy Oakley Burklow at Buffalo Oak. He says, "My apologies if you've already discussed this, Oakley. Never apologize to us." But Never. who do you think wins the QB2 spot? And then he says, also in regards to Texas, does Steve Sarkeesian try to fight Mike Gundy at midfield, referencing <laughs> the Tom Herman situation? But uh, QB2, I, I think, I don't know, Kate. I, I mean, I think it's going to be Gunnar Gundy. I know Garrett Rangel apparently has been battling for that spot, but if Spencer Sanders went down in the second game of the season, you know, not wishing that at all, but be shocked if Rangel came in. I think. I, I think I'm with you. Um, I feel Not really. That I don't think he's a good player. I just no. We've we've heard good things about Gunner too. Like that he's that he's the the year off may have helped. He seems like he has a good grip on the offense. It's really what you'd expect out of the coach's son. Um, I I feel probably more confident, even having never seen really much of either of them. We saw a little bit of Gunner. I, I feel a lot better with Gunner at number two than I do uh, Garrett Rangel, but may, maybe maybe something changes in fall camp. We'll see. Yeah, we'll definitely see. Uh, I'm, I know I asked my buddy to keep an eye on stuff like that from the extreme camp, so I know that's at the beginning, but we'll kind of see who's getting getting more reps with the twos there, and we can report back on that. But if I had to guess right this second, and on our depth chart we have Gunner at two. Hey, speaking of uh, Sark and and Mike Gundy, have you like have you seen the clothes that Steve Sarkeesian wears, like just out and around, like when he's like pictured at like banquets and stuff? Are they like loose fitting? It's no number one. It's too tight. Number two, <laughs> to, like to just talk about the way it fits. It's more like he's wearing a lot of interesting, like uh, intricate patterns. And if you've ever watched, like, I think you should leave on Netflix, huge fan of that show. (laughs) There's a skit about Dan flashes in that show. He's got the, he's got the most designs on his shirt. He's got the Dan flashes shirts. I don't know what's going on. And so my question is if like, I mean, are we going to get a Gundy hair versus Sark fashion? Like, are they going to clash there? That would be the only way. Like, no, I'm better looking. No, I'm better looking. Like type You're talking like there. a Zoolander style walk. A hundred percent. Everybody just okay. clears out. Yep. <laughs> oh, that's a great Dan Flash is a great reference. I'm probably gonna go watch. I think you should leave after this now. Yeah, all of nine of our listeners probably got that too. But uh <laughs> yeah, if if you go watch it and you hate it, I didn't I didn't recommend it. But Dustin, it was it good to talk to you show. again, man. It's good to have you back. Glad you're back in the saddle. Yeah, that was fun. Um like and kid do we did we mention so we'll have this episode come out first correct and then the ian boyd interview will come out later this week so uh you'll get two episodes this one will be up tomorrow and then ian's will be up uh on thursday but it was a great interview with ian we really appreciate him coming on and yeah i think i think uh i think it was a good episode yep you're welcome for the feels like 45 double shot that's what we <laughs> just gave you so you're welcome um dustin great talking with you if you're not already 
Follow him at Dust Ragu. Follow us at Feels Like 45 Pod. And follow me on Twitter at Cade Webb. Keep it locked with us. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Go Pokes. Check out Homefield Apparel's new Oklahoma State line. I don't know if you have. I know Dustin and I both are rocking the new Homefield Apparel shirts that have just gone live on their website at homefieldapparel.com. I mean, the curse of cowboys across the chest is absolutely gorgeous. I don't know if you guys have seen the Pistol Patty t-shirt, but it is great as well. And Homefield Apparel is doing phenomenal stuff, even outside of Oklahoma State sports. If you go on their website right now, you can see potential future Big 12 members, Colorado, with a throwback t-shirt on their website. I'm just a big fan of Homefield stuff, and the quality is unbelievable. So check them out at homefieldapparel.com. And when you use our promo code FEELS12, you actually will get a discount. That's right. Feels 12. We'll get you 15% off your first order when you use our promo code Feels 12 at homefieldapparel.com. Check them out right now and tell them that the Feels Like 45 podcast is you.